Welcome to a special presentation of Sellout Crowd, Conversations with Coach. I'm Bob Stoops, and I'm taking time to talk with friends and colleagues in the sports world to get caught up and share some stories. My guest right now is Chris Peterson, my nemesis way back from the Fiesta Bowl in 2007. <laughs> great, great guy, uh, great friend. A uh, little bit about Chris, uh, started off as the of offensive coordinator. Well, back in the day, position coach, I know at UC Davis and a few other places, but then offensive coordinator at Boise State from 2001 to 2005, head coach at Boise from 2006 to 2013, led them to a playoff appearance in, in 2016, and then the Washington head coach from 2014 to 2019. First two-time Paul Bear Bryant, Coach of the Year. Also, Bobby Dodd, Coach of the Year. And uh, retired young, as I did, in, uh, in December of 2019. So, appreciate you joining us, Chris. How you doing today? Doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. You bet, buddy. Now, let's, everyone, let's, let's rehash real fast that Fiesta Bowl. That just pains me. But people can, <laughs> people can go to our story on Fox where we rehashed and watched the whole game. And uh, I like the story about uh, your the last play or was it the Hail Mary that your, uh, your backup quarterback is the one who suggested it to you on the sideline? Well, it was two of our backup quarterbacks. And, and really, it wasn't really even a two-point play, the old Statue of Liberty. It, it was a red zone play. Okay. But it was hash-specific. And we could never get on the left hash. We kept thinking, yep, next play, you know, when we were in the red zone, but it just never happened. And so, you know, it's funny when we tied the game up at the very end, I was thinking about going for two right then and there. Cause you guys were, you guys and Adrian Peterson were just getting warmed up, but I chickened out. I actually thought about it and there was so much pandemonium on our sideline. Then I'm like, oh, we couldn't get the offense out. We're going to get a penalty anyway, so let's just get it. But I thought, if we get another chance, there's no way we're going to prolong this. We're going for two and ending it one way or another. So, But I do give our backup quarterbacks um, you know, a lot of credit for those guys were on it. You know, we, we pay attention to our quarterbacks. Yeah. Not only the guy on the field, but those guys have such a tight relationship that if they like something or don't like something, you know, we learned long ago, even as coaches, if we like it, we're not doing it if they don't like it. Right. No, you're a great, great coach. But uh, let's go back to your early years as a quarterback at UC Davis back in uh, 85, 86. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Who, who were some of your biggest influences, whether a young player playing or you're young in your, your coaching career? We've all – been influenced by people who are some of your biggest influences well uh, you know I played for I say two hall of fame football coaches one is Jim Soker who has since passed away he is in the college football hall of fame mm -hmm. another one was our defensive coordinator who then took over when coach Soker stepped down Bob Foster he should be in the hall of fame these guys were so ahead of their time in terms of how they taught the game, how they treated the players, the balance and quality of their life that then trickled down to what this thing's really all about, the game of football and sports. 
and I didn't obviously know it at the time. I knew they were completely different. They were way different than any of the coaches that I had been around. And my dad was a longtime coach. He, he coached at a junior college for forever, for as long as I can ever remember. And so the one thing I knew I was not going to do in life was be a football coach. Watch, <laughs> watching the things that my dad went through. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not letting 18-year-olds control my life and my happiness. But then when I got with these these two coaches at UC Davis, it was really just it was game changing for me. They just really they really changed my life and so many of our teammates' lives and you know made it more than just winning and losing games. And we won a ton at Davis now, but um it just felt like it was more than that. So certainly those two guys got me into coaching. Right. Um, that I really wouldn't have been a coach, probably had it not been for them. It's um, amazing the influences. Mine are, of course, I start early in my career with Bill Snyder, who's as far over here as you can be, and then to Steve Spurrier. And you could, as you know yeah. them both, they're both Hall of Fame yeah. coaches, yeah. totally different in every style of coaching that there is. But I was influenced by both of them, and you just take piece, bits and pieces of it and uh, – you know, you do do the best you can, but they they really influence you. And my one of my big mentors was my D coordinator, my position coach at Iowa, Bill Brazier. He was with Hayden Fry for 30, 40 years, decades. He told me about coaching, just what you were talking about. He says, if you can do without coaching, do without it. If Amen. you can't do without it, you got to do it. And that was me. Amen. <laughs> right. I think that's such good advice. And, you know, the other thing that you just kind of hit on is, you know, everybody always talks about the head coach and the impact the head coach makes. But I think what people don't understand behind the scenes is really how impactful and game-changing assistant coaches are. Those are the ones. Like, that's what I miss becoming a head coach, the tight, tight bond to my group of guys. Yeah. Like, that's where you're making an impact. I mean – we still we have a little chat with all the quarterbacks that I coached at Boise. That's awesome. Like those yeah. guys send a th- and it's like there's nothing like that. So the assistants are that's as impactful as being a head coach. I totally agree. None of us have ever done it alone. Your assistants are such a huge part of it. But uh, all right, real fast, finishing up a couple of things. College football today. Um, how how could how could it be a little bit better? I mean, I, you know, don't, it's because some of this isn't going away, Chris. But you're a guy who cares about the game like I do. What are some things that that where do you see it going, or what could what could be managed to make it a little bit better? First of all, I, I don't want to simplify this thing, which I'm going to, because there's a lot of complexity in this thing. But the first thing that I would say is can we just start with some rules? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's every coach you talk to, every athletic director, it just feels like there's not really great structure, rules, regulation, guidelines. And if they are out there, nobody's playing by them. Right. Like you said, it's not going backwards. I don't think anyone wants it to. We know it's not going backwards. NIL is not going away. Transfer portal is not going away. But can we tighten this up where everybody feels like this is good, really for the student athletes? Right. And 
I don't know. I mean, I just think about NIL right now. And I've said this before, like NIL on paper is a really good thing. I remember, you know, you know this, like back in the day when um, we had this at Boise, I've told the story before that um, one of our really good all-time running backs there, Ian Johnson, played in the Fiesta Bowl. Sure. This guy, this guy could crochet, okay? <laughs> he was a big-time running back, and he could crochet. He made these beanies. He made like 15 of them, 10 of them, blue and orange beanies. And he was going to sell them. Like he was going to put it out there and sell them for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. That's not happening back in the day. Unreal, yeah. So when you're that, you know, tight on the rules and it's set up like that for it's like a no win makes no sense, you know down the road something's going to like push back on that and it's going to get all blown up. And so, you know, that's just a little example of the rules that just didn't work. When you were feeding your players back in the day and you had trail mix and you couldn't have M&Ms in there and you had to pick out the M&Ms to give them trail mix or couldn't use Can't jelly use or yeah. cream cheese on the bagels. Like, so here we are today basically with the NCAA because of all the lawsuit stuff. They want no part of regulating anything. So it's the wild, wild west. And now you have NIL, which is really basically just buying players. And... Um, you have coaches poaching other players out of locker rooms, buying them. I mean, n- nobody's good with that, but that's right. what's going on. So how, how do you take care of that? So let's start with rules. Right. But, I mean, even the NFL has regulations and rules on on salary caps, on not, you know, not poaching players. You can't be going out recruiting players from other teams and having conversations with them on and on and on. So uh, I'm with you, and I feel – our leadership across the board, NCAA down through, down through athletic directors, whatever, that we didn't get ahead of this 10 years ago, eight years ago, and have some kind of parameters that it's still really great for the players, but we have some kind of rule and regulation to what, you know, what's happening. And just, just what you just said, basically. 100%. And, you know, when there's this much money involved in the game, which really is a cool thing, right? It's like right. that popular. But when there's that much money and no real strong leadership at the top, right? we all know bad things are going to happen. It's going to be about self-interest and survival. And that's where we are right now. So it's nothing about the greater good of the game, really nothing better for the kids, the, the, the coaches, right. the programs. You have an unsustainable business model that's being used right now in these athletic programs. Like every AD will tell you, this isn't sustainable. Right. So we have to join all these different leagues and take the money, you know, just to survive. Right. Uh, Chris, lastly, you're you're one of the uh, studio analysts every week with Fox Sports. Always enjoy watching you on there. Let's talk real fast. Uh, what I've been incredibly impressed with is the play of Colorado. Uh, offensive play design, execution, taking care of the football, defense, the the, the discipline they're playing with. Um, I know it's you know everyone's talking about it, but you got to give it to them through two games. They have played well. One hundred percent. Yeah, it has shocked me. Now I think you and I both know one thing that Coach Prime has done. Well, he's done a few things really well. But one is he's hired some really good assistants. Agreed. I've said it. When he got times. Sean Lewis, I know Sean yep. Lewis, you know, and I'm like, that guy is a good coach. Oh, Charles Kelly, tell. good coach. Yep. You can go down. So they got good coaches, right? Like, right. And the personality and the, you know, 
that Coach Prime has and the recruit. Like, it's almost set up. you got all these coaches to run the football, and then he's going to be the face and, and, and attract all these good players. Right. Really, really impressive. But in a short time, they've executed at a pretty high level. Now, I think they're going to end up being 3-0 after this week, playing Colorado State. And then it gets real. I can't wait for the next, because then they're going to go into Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon. And I've been there many times. That is a tough place. Yeah. And then they're going to come back home and play USC, who's one of the better teams in college football. So I think we're going to get a a much better picture of what's going to happen to that program in the next few weeks. But, but like you, we recognize good coaching. When you, when you don't turn the football over, you have very few penalties, you don't beat yourself, and you're making big plays, you know, that they're, they're doing all of that. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been impressed. But I, I'm with you. Every, like anything, it's a long year to go through, but uh, we'll see where it goes. But, Chris, always appreciate uh, getting a chance to visit with you. You know that. We keep up with each other and uh, glad you're doing well. Now, tell me about your early retirement. Real fast, everyone, I retired early. You know, how was it that you came upon that decision and, and wanted to step away at a younger age like I did? Well, I think you're, you know, that, that would be an interesting conversation between you and I. And I'd love to have that sometime, what your reasoning was and mine was, because basically mine was um, I was really unhappy. Um, and couldn't understand why I had this dream job, wonderful kids. We were winning enough, but it was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not appreciating this? And why is this actually feeling painful to me to go through this process? Wow. And I really just couldn't make sense of it. And I had this happen to me a little bit at the end of my run at Boise. And then it came back at the end of my time at Washington. And I knew the only way that I'd be able to make some sort of sense would be to step away. And so I did to try to get clarity. I didn't know if I'd coach again or not. Um, But the one thing is the early retirement, you know, I'm not standing on the sidelines, but I really feel there's coaches that I do consult with. Um, I get to stay in the game with with, uh, Fox College Football on Saturdays. I I love watching college football as long as it's not my team. I'm good with that. Well, and then I do some speaking things. And yeah. so I feel like I, you know, I can control my time, my life. You know, this, the problem with the college, it's 24, seven, 365. Yeah. And that's right. just not a way to live your life. I truly felt the same way. I wanted my own time, my own space, period. Otherwise, when am I ever going to get it and, and be young enough to go enjoy it, you know? So, uh, but you're young enough, you're younger than me. So if, Somebody's needing a coach. You might still be able to jump in there and give it one more go. <laughs> Boy, I don't know about that. Hey, you know, the Saturdays are great. Like everybody says, do yeah. you miss being on the sidelines? And I'm like, yes, but everything that it takes to lead up to get on those sidelines for those 12, 13 Saturdays, yeah. that is a high price to pay. I pre- you're, you're, you're exactly right. So, Appreciate the time, Chris, always, and uh, all the best to you and your family, buddy. Same to you, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That wraps up this installment of Conversations with Coach. Follow and subscribe to this channel and visit selloutcrowd.com to find out about upcoming programs.